you know, and just, I don't know. It's Like you said, man, like, fuck. I think you were built for this job because I know if I saw that on my first day, like what you saw, I'm like, fuck, I'm out. I'll tap out, man. I'm yeah. out of here. Fuck that. Oh, man, it's horses for courses, man, you know? Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. You see, I mean, you see a lot of it, and it's like you see a lot of guys that want to do it, and then mm. you can see straight away that this might not be for them. And and then look at the end; that's what it comes down to in specialist teams. You yeah. need a small group of people that are exposed <coughs> to the good to the stuff, so that they can yeah. solidify, build their experience, and, and be good at that. Yeah, it's not yeah. you, it's not good. It's not for everybody. Are you you know now like after so many years of experience, are you part of the um, crew that recruits? Um. So. We are currently going to be doing some recruitment for the for the helicopter job that we have here now, mm. and our boss is awesome. She she wants us to be involved in that recruitment, and I have been in the past. So yeah. doing the assessments and doing the you know doing the yeah. Because I remember talking to you about your coming up with the the fitness test. Yeah, for yeah, what yeah, these guys yeah. are doing. Explain that, man. Oh, we got look the the job that I'm currently doing now yeah. uh, is I work on the rescue helicopter, and um, you know we 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 don't just treat clinically we do the rescue stuff so if someone's in a boat and a boat overturns you know 50 k's off the coast they hit an epub we gotta go out and get them so yeah. i get into a wetsuit we fly out i get hoisted into the water i've got to recover this dude we hoist him into the aircraft and it's physically demanding mm. it's mentally demanding but oh, it's physical fuck. too so yeah that and also you know when we we go to these crashes you know guy hits a tree you know somewhere um you know in between Donnybrook and Manjimup or down in Pemberton where those bro those trees those trees are like man those trees can be like 70 80 90 feet high bro so we can't land anywhere there uh, so, so often down, eh? they'll, they'll 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 hoist me down on a cable or we'll land somewhere away from the scene and then I'll have to walk through the forest down the bush through the, to get there so you've got to have some good physical acumen right yeah and um in terms of the fitness, we've yeah. One of my colleagues has done a lot of research and figured out what's best, and we we've pretty much put together a, a fitness test mm. just to try and push <coughs> people a little bit. Yeah. So we're going to be doing a bit of a fitness test for when they when the new recruits come along, and it'll you know it'll include swimming as well. But like from a so what we'll do is have some kind of a scenario set up where there's a crash remotely, but they've got to hike in, you know, yeah. a kilometer or so carrying heavy weight, heavy gear, rescue gear that we carry. Yeah. And then when you get there, then you've got to treat the patient. Fuck. So you're fucking tired, oh, you've just yeah. sweated, and now, right, how much are you going to give? How much ketamine are you going to give? Oh, really? How much morphine? What about Maxillon? What about this? What about that? Like, So your brain's got to be switched on when you're tired. So that'll be cool. You know, when when they've hiked in and stuff, like you've got communication with the guys in the chopper, right? We do, we do. At all times? Most, yeah, most times. Well, most times. Like right. if there's bad signals, whatever. So we carry a rescue. We wear a shit ton of gear as well. So like mm. I'm, I'm wearing like fucking five, 10 kgs with the gear. So I've got, you know, you've got a full flight suit on, which is a second layer. You've got a first layer underneath that. Boots, gloves, harness, this cape well, which is a heavy device that hooks you onto the hook. Mm. Helmet, gloves. Um, and then in that I've got a radio pouch I can plug into my helmet and I've got a radio so when I land I can talk through my radio or I can use my phone or I can use my satellite phone so we're always in touch so it's yeah but it's so this test that you're coming up with I remember you you're, you're talking about them on a um, on the treadmill on the treadmill yeah. with mm. the weighted vest there it's a good test man mm. it's, it's something very different like I, I haven't done treadmill work 
since I started CrossFit, bro. Yeah. Like, I mean, we yeah, all did yeah. the fucking surge gyms and the fucking yeah. fitness first yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Fuck, you know, I can't believe I used to do that, man. <laughs> CrossFit's hey, man, a that's game changer. Yeah, bro. but game. I mean, I feel like it, it's been, it was hidden for years, you know? Like, um, yeah. And then all of a sudden some guy came up with it and made it, Clever, main, man. Made it mainstream. But yeah. uh, it's always been there, like for military service, police. Yeah. Some form of it has, you know? They've yeah. always been doing some form of it. It was just never named CrossFit. Oh, that's right. And uh, look, we, in rugby, when, when we were with Stroyley, yeah, like some of the stuff we used to do with them was yeah. very, very similar. Mm. We did a lot of powerlifting when I played rugby as yeah. well. Like deadlifts and squats were always there, but also snatching. Um, but I never embraced it until I met the man, Joey. Man, mm. he got me hooked. Yeah, yeah. He got me hooked, man. He hooked me in straight away, bro. <laughs> I'd love to have actually started earlier on in like legion uh, days with you guys at legion doing yeah, the powerlifting that oh, would have been good man. that would have been good when, when, whenever i talk to me we always talk about the legion days and man like um jim like the owner yeah always like would program some crazy shit man. you know stuff that you'd like like let's say if i program that now yeah and you look at it and go why the fuck are we doing that like yeah. you know i've i just finished work you know it's a level up from you know everyone like sort of leaves work and looks for a place to just let off steam yeah kind of thing yeah it's a couple of levels up from that you Ooh, know like shit. yeah then so there's them the weekend warriors is what they yeah called. yeah then there's the people that want to compete and then there's jim <laughs> yeah well man like you and joe are so similar in your your approaches like you've You've really got your finger on the past. You could, mm. you know, you can see how guys are working. Mm. You can see how guys are performing, and you can see this is too much, or yeah. this is too little, or you know, you can see and you can push guys, or you can slow guys down. Yeah, that that's. I'll tell you what. You know, there's fucking CrossFit trainers out there that have no fucking clue what they're oh, doing, and man. they're just hitting a generic product and they're smashing mm. it down people's throats. People are getting hurt. They're getting turned away, but they're getting their monthly fee. They don't care. Yeah, but yeah, the whole man. Like I used to go to gym, and that's how it kind of decompressed a bit. But it wasn't really. But it's yeah, the CrossFit was good for me, man. Like when I started CrossFit, that was huge. Like from like work recovery, being fit, feeling comfortable at work, mm -hmm. but also blowing off steam was fucking yeah. good, man. It was good. Also, bang for buck as well. Eh? You wouldn't yeah. have to, you know, sit in a gym for like three hours to get the yeah. feeling that you get from ten minutes of twelve minute imam. Mm. Let's see how you fucking feel yeah, after this, bro. Exactly, like you crawl man. away, and that's yeah. like twelve minutes. It's like fuck, fuck. Yeah, it was man. good. But um, where was I? We were back in Saudi, so I landed up in Saudi Arabia, bro. Yeah. And um, yeah, like I said, I saw some stuff there, bro. Like that was just after the first Gulf War, and man, I. You know, I'm actually, I'm a fair-haired, blonde-haired kid, right? So, yeah. like, when I got long hair, it's blonde, right? I got blonde <laughs> hair, I'm blue eyes, I'm six foot four. Yeah. I'm American. Yeah. Because you live in Saudi, oh. you're a tall blonde, you're American. You're American. Yeah, that's and how they look at you. Man, the I took just for being a blonde-haired fucking white-skinned dude, like, you're American. Jeez. Yeah, man, like, Ameriki, Ameriki, Ameriki. I'm like, la, 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 la. Junoop Afrik, Junoop Afrik. I'm, I'm telling them in Africa, I'm fucking from South Africa. And they're like, no, you're not, you're American. It was hectic, man. Um, the part that disturbed me the most, mm. like, and I, and I think about it now because of where I'm now, yeah, was like if in Saudi Arabia, men obviously rule the place, right? For them, yeah. it's like men, women are very low down in the order of things, yeah. 
And then I, mo- I worked in an emergency department for the National Guard, bro. Mm. And for a woman to have any invasive procedures, she had to have the her, she couldn't sign consent. Her husband or her brother mm. or her father or her son, who might be twelve, could sign for her consent. She's not allowed to sign consent, bro. Jeez. Hectic, man. But not only that. For Muslim boys are more valuable than Muslim girls. Like if you ask a Muslim man, like how many children you have, he'd say, I've got three kids. It just means that he's got three boys. He won't tell you he's got six daughters. So like women were treated terribly there, man. And little kids, man, little girls, like they would come in, they were hurt and injured and stuff. And like I saw stuff there that just fucking blew me away, man. It, it was fucking confronting, I won't lie. And look, it was really good, like, from a, from an experience perspective. Like, we did a lot of intense stuff, like, a lot of trauma, a lot of bad stuff, and, like, Africa. But it was, it was, it was hectic, bro. But I got to make some good money. And um, so while I was there, I started teaching while I was there as well. Yeah. At the, the postgraduate center there, and I enjoyed it. And my boss really enjoyed my teaching, and we were setting up a training program to teach locals, paramedic stuff, and... Mm-hmm. And then um, I said, look, I'm struggling because my missus and I, we weren't married, we weren't engaged. And I said, look, I'm missing her. I want to move back to South Africa. And he's like, oh, well, what if we give her a job? How, how long were you in Saudi for? Bro, I was like at, this in to- at that stage when I was talking to my boss about three months. And I was like, look, I've got three months to go. I'm not going to resign. I'm going to move back to South Africa because, you know, I met this girl and I'm going to, you know, she's, I miss her and we want to start our lives together. And he said, well, why don't you just get married? I'm like, no, I don't want to marry her. Just because she, she couldn't come there unless she was married. Mm. You can't travel to Saudi Arabia unless you've got a work visa or your husband's got a work visa or your wife's got a work visa. You could, there's no tourism there. So she couldn't come. So I was like, hmm. He's like, what if we give her a job? We'll employ her. And I'm like, that's what? And he goes, we'll just create a job for her. We'll just we'll just make her like an admin assistant or something. We'll give her a job and she can come there. You don't have to get married, but you'll have to live in separate quarters. Like, so the woman <sighs> the women live in that villa there and then like yeah. that city and then we live in the other one. A lot of guys did it and I thought, oh, that'd be cool and the missus could come and then she could travel a bit as well. I was like, oh yeah, let's do that. So I wrote up, he said, just print her CV off for me and just fill in this form and then bring it to me. And I fucking printed it off had it in an envelope that night. I was taking it to work the next morning. Dude, I woke up at midnight. Riyadh was shaking, bro. They bombed three of the compounds. Bad, bro. They hit the American oh, compound, 400 bodies dead. They stopped the dudes right outside our compound with like 250 kilos of fucking dynamite on the back of their ute, bro. It was carnage. So we got called in. I went in. We were loading bodies in the mochi. It was terrible. And I said, I actually had the envelope. I said to my boss, listen, man, I wanted my... My girlfriend to come, but I fucking changed my mind. Here's my notice. I'm done. I gave him thirty. I gave him three months' notice. And that was it. But we'd we'd really met. I'd met Tess in Dubai, and we actually got engaged in Dubai. Mm. I went back. I said, "No, she's not coming out. This is over. I'm done." Fuck. So after six months, I moved back to South Africa. But I made enough money to pay off some debt back in South Africa. I designed and got a, an awesome wedding ring made in Saudi. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we got married. So I could afford to get married. You know, we got married in South Africa. And uh, so I moved back to East London, started working back on the chopper with my mate in this private business. Um, and uh, But then one day I was, yeah, we were, we were flying up the coast and the helicopter to a dude had a heart attack. We got there and he was dead. And um, 
they asked us to fly the body back to back to the main city because it was quite remote and they wanted to just take it to the mortuary. So we were flying the body back and my phone rang and it was a dude phoned me from, from China and he said, are you, listen, are you, I'm looking for someone to run our air rescue operation out of Taiwan. Are you keen? Mm-hmm. I said, phone me in an hour. They landed. Yeah. Phoned the missus and I said, we were married. I said, do you want to move to Taiwan? She's like, let's go. Fuck. So, what, what, what year was it? So that was... So what do we know? That's got to be 2004. Yeah, 2004. We got married in 2003, so it was 2004, January, we left. Mm. And um, it, it, was, it was an awesome adventure because my missus had worked her whole life from when she left high school. Like She'd been working fucking hardcore just trying to make ends meet. And this job was going to allow her not, <coughs> not to work mm. and, um, and do some travel. So yeah, we yeah, moved to yeah. Taiwan, man. Taiwan was crazy. That was was cool though. So you were cool. like saving lives. Paramedic, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had a, a we had an air rescue service with mostly with fixed wing aeroplanes, and we mm. we basically looked after the the Chinese fishing the Taiwanese fishing villages south of Taiwan that were remote, and we medevac sick people to the mainland to Taipei. Yeah, and but then I did a lot of international medevacs as well. So we'd fly people all around the world, like from Canada back to Hong Kong or. You know, back to Los Angeles, American patients that get sick in Taiwan, you fly them back, and so that was that was that was cool, man. That was a crazy experience. A lot of time in an airplane, man. Fuck. I can hate airplanes. I'm over it, man. Yeah, over it, man. <laughs> man, I spent. I'd be like three countries in one day sometimes, man. Holy shit! Like in Japan, drop one off, fly back down to Mongolia. Fucking Mongolia down to Singapore, back to Beijing. It's fucking killing me, man. How old were you then? Oh shit, man! Twenty five, twenty four, twenty five. So still in your twenties, yeah, like, man. Yeah, yeah. Holy fuck. shit, man! All of this happened within the span of like five fucking years, man. Yeah, it was fucking crazy, man. Yeah, ah. China was an because so we were in Taiwan for about eighteen months. Yeah, and um, so we had our own jet, private jet, and we we're doing a lot of all flying around in this jet, moving people around. I did a lot of international. So we did these international um, commercial cases. So like. We had a guy that fell on the Great Wall of China. Bad head injuries on a ventilator. He's pretty sick. Mm-hmm. They want him back in America. So the cheaper option is to use a commercial airline. So like a normal Singapore Airlines, and we like get six seats in the back. They flatten it. We put a special stretcher on top, and we put the patient in the back of the aircraft. And I sit as a normal passenger with all my gear treating this dude, but I've got to look after him for the whole flight. Fuck. And we fly fucking back to LA, you know? And that yeah. was, fuck, it's a long way, man. So we did a lot of that too. A lot of ventilated stretcher patients on commercial carriers that was fucking demanding bro Shit. because you know you can't pull over and land yeah you're in a passenger you're playing with 350 other people man and there's a dude who's on a ventilator pretty sick you got to keep him asleep you got to look after him the whole way so uh, it was challenging but it was um it was tiring man it was fucking killing me it's killing me anyway so taiwan is nearly two years and then um my oldest dude was made in Taiwan, bro. Like <laughs> he should have a stamp on the yeah. back of his neck. Made in Taiwan, <laughs> like all of our t-shirts. That's it. Mrs. was pregnant in Taiwan, and then we got. A, I got a promotion. The boss said, "Look, I want you to run the whole of Northern Asia, but I need you to move to Beijing." We're like, yeah. Cool. So we moved to Beijing. We lost it a year there, bro. It was too hard, man. Beijing. Yeah, little dude was three weeks old when we moved there. So we, we moved to Beijing. Mm. And Tess was due, and we moved. We flew to South Africa. He was born. Three weeks later, we landed back in Beijing. 
and we lived on the 16th floor of this apartment in the center of Beijing, and I was working my ass off in an airplane every day. So she was alone at home with the newborn man. She was struggling. It was hard. It was winter, and it was minus 30, and it was cold and snowing and raining. It was shit, man. What was the um, culture like there, man? It's pretty tough, man, because, like, I made some pretty cool Chinese friends, and, and, um, Mm. you know, Good food, different tastes, different. Did they, like, did, did, sorry, man. Like, did they look at you like you're a, a fucking professional wrestler or anything like that? Bro, we, been of like, course, Mrs. and I stick out, and you just you know yeah. they stare, and it was fucking crazy. It was, but they looked at us like foreigners. Mm. You were always treated as a foreigner. You yeah. never assimilate in China. Never, never. Like my mate who lived there for like twenty years. If you spoke to him on the phone, as you were Chinese, you wouldn't know he was. Not Chinese. He was fucking fluent, bro. Really? Traded tobacco. Shit. Traded to, like he was fucking. It was impressive to watch the dude on the phone. Yeah. He could talk to people on the phone. They think he's Chinese. They wouldn't know. And then <laughs> they'd meet him, and they're like, "The fuck is short little fucking blonde haired dude?" And they're like, yeah. "What the fuck, bro?" He told me a crazy stat, and this is back in <laughs> two thousand and so fifteen years ago, bro. When yeah. I was there, he traded tobacco. Yeah. He reckons back then, yeah, the Chinese were smoking. Two billion sticks of cigarettes a day. Fucking let that sink in, bro. Two billion a day. A day, bro. So every single person smoking two smokes a day. Like, you know, there's a billion and whatever people there. But obviously not everyone smokes. Most of them do. Two billion sticks a day. How's the tax on that, bro? Fuck. A day, man. Holy shit. Yeah. Anyway, so China was crazy, man. But we um, got offered a job to come to Perth to work on the rescue helicopter here. Well, it was... It was an ambulance job first as a paramedic, and then I transitioned and got onto the helicopter here. But it was good to come back to normal, traditional EMS work. Because in China, I basically worked 24 hours a day. I was on call, and I had like, had like a month off a year. Whereas here, yeah, I'm a proper shift worker. I do two days, two nights, and I got four days off. So China was killing me, man. Mm. Like it was tiring. Couldn't exercise. Couldn't train. Fuck. You know. And where was the rugby career mm. when you were in China? Dead in the water, bro. Done. Yeah. Over. Over. Pretty much over when I went to Saudi. That was it. They asked me to play in Saudi. You know, weekend warriors team, and yeah. I'm like, I can't go halfway, bro. No, yeah. Because I'm gonna go and flat out, and I'm gonna break something. Bro, you're you're riddled. You're riddled with um, injuries. Eh? The game's done it, man. It did. It did. <sighs> it is. Oh, we all get injuries though, bro. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, you know what it's like. Like, if you're going to, if you're going to compete hard in anything, mm. there's going to be some time when you're going to hurt something. Now, I think that's part of the game. Yeah. But rugby, the thing about rugby that was different is 95, we won the World Cup, right? Yeah. Before the Springboks ran out, it's a pretty cool story. Francois actually said, before the semi final, Francois, you read his book, he says to them, we're not running out unless you pay us. And they're like, they were getting luck. $40 a game like it was like 400 rand or some stupid it was ridiculous what they were getting paid it was yeah. pathetic yeah. and he said right we're not running out on the semi-final unless you pay us and they're like what do you mean and they're like we want to be paid properly like proper money Yeah. not only for this game mm. but what we want you to do is we want you to contract us these guys have all got other jobs we're not going to be able to compete like this you want to compete we want to play rugby only that's when the game started. South Africa was the first. Francois Pino is an amazing dude. He pretty much sat down and said, yeah. that's when the rest of the world went, shit, you mean we can just play rugby? England came next, then the Kiwis, and everyone's like, bang, we're just professional. 
You spoke to Franz Walpina. No, no, I didn't. Oh, he yeah, was. That's what he wow. said. He was like, "Fucking, that's what that's what he said. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna make it go pro." So when I started playing in ninety, when I left school in ninety three, ninety four was my first year out. We hadn't gone pro yet. Ninety five, the World Cup came. Ninety six, so I was starting in a professional era that was brand new. There was not a lot of knowledge mm. about the game and about how things work from a recovery perspective. Yeah. From a training, like guys were still learning, mm. like, and it took about, I think it was about five years of Super Rugby. And what yeah. they did in the su- after Super Rugby is they then they looked at positions. So they loose forwards, right? Okay, as a loose forward, this is what you should be expected to be able to do, right? This many pull ups, this many push ups. You should be able to do this amount of a squat. This should be your average three k time trial run. This should be your average hundred meter sprint time. So they because yeah. they took the data from all the current Super Rugby players. That was five years into Super Rugby. Yeah. So they needed to, you know. But previous to that, fucking dudes didn't know what they were doing. They're like, we do sprints and we, you know, we can do some gym and we can do a bit of this. And yeah. they were like learning on the fly, man. Yeah. But the thing is too, like in my early days when I was playing early, I'd get a mat, I'd get a fucking envelope after each game. Yeah. That was valuable, bro. That was like, yeah. fuck, this is the week's worth of food. So if you got injured during the week. Mm-hmm. And there was a chance you'd miss that game. You'd miss that envelope. So what did we do? We fucking carried injuries. And like, I fucking tweaked my calf. And I only thought back afterwards. In my f- my first year of playing for Natal, I strained my calf. But I didn't say anything. Because yeah. I didn't want to miss out on the fucking game. The match fee. So I carried it. I just got the physio to strap it. No, 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 I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Carried on. Ran, ran, ran. And I carried that injury, and I think that scar tissue in the end is what fucking caught me later on when I really snapped it. Mm. So, but you had to do that if you wanted to play. If you, if you wanted the money, you just had to play. So we carried injuries. But you look at the dudes now playing pro rugby. Man, the dude strained something. Fucking MRI scan, cryogenic <sighs> treatment, because they want to prolong their careers. Yeah. But we started when it was brand new, and there yeah. was not a lot of knowledge about what was going to happen, you know? Fuck, that's incredible. It was crazy. I'd, yeah. I mean, I wish I could have gone into it with like, I want to do this for the rest of my sport career and have mm. longevity because I didn't. We just wanted to make the next weekend. Science, eh? Bro, science. And recovery now. Recovery is a massive <sighs> thing. Looking at that sauna yeah, of yours in the corner man. there, bro. That's the bro, one. Like, um, that, that was a game changer for me as well. Like, like nothing compared to what you've been through. But when I, when I tore my ACL... In a fucking local comp, man. Oh, a couple of years ago, right? It's got me, me and Joey were on the same team. Oh, what were you doing? What movement? It was um so stupid, me man. I should have fucking known, like, because uh, all the like the comp was done. It was a three v three. Yeah. At the Subi Oval before they smashed it down. Yeah. The last okay. one. Um, and it was on the pitch, bro. So they oh, had they had rubber like awesome. these, these black rubber mats down. Yeah. Like on the pitch, so it was all fucking uneven. Oh yeah, that's not a really straight. The very first workout was, I think it was deadlift, like shoulder to overhead deadlifts. Yeah, uh, some other shit, but it was all barbell with like I think ninety kilos. I I woke up. I told Joey and the other the other partner at the time, like because the three of us in the yeah. team. I said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll go first. I pick up the barbell. I start going shoulder to overhead. Because I think we had to do like, so it was 90 kilos and I think we had to go 100 between three of us. Okay. And then we move on to 100 deadlifts with the same weight, right? Yeah. Um, the very first five, I went one, I went one, two, three, four, 
bam, something buckled. And it was Ooh, my fucking right knee, bro. Fuck. I went to try to pick it up again. I cleaned it, cool. Went to lock it overhead. Didn't happen. Tried it one more time. Didn't like it. And I fell over, man. Fuck. Yeah. And I knew, like, ACL straight away. Did man. you get it treated? No, I haven't. I'm, so I've, so I've, I've seen, like, Fuck, same as me, bro. I I've didn't seen mine. Yeah. Bro, but that's the thing. Like, um, for you back then, right? Like, if we had the technology now. Yeah. And the the experienced doctors and shit like that. Like, because what someone told me, I saw the doctor and he was saying, look, man, does CrossFit pay your bills? And I was like, uh, no. And he was like, well, you can you can manage without an operation. Yeah. And I said, what's, what? so if I get an operation, what's the, you know, what what's the deal? Like, what, what are the pros and Just cons? Not and massive pros to it, yeah. Yeah, he was saying, well, every couple of years we'll have to re-enter and operate again, scrape, reconnect the tissue and shit like that and but he was saying that um every time they enter for the operation it's brutal man onset of fucking early uh arthritis that's in right. the knee. that's right that's what he said to me and he was like and if it doesn't pay your bills and you can sort of manage around it i wish i'd had that inside too but we uh, my first year that playing for that crusaders rugby club actually mm. my second season because i made the first team um and that's with all the big dudes we actually got Crusaders was chosen um, to play in the Southern Hemisphere Club Championships for ESPN. It was a big thing. Shit. Yeah, ESPN, man. It was bro. fucking cool. Back then? We went to fucking Uruguay. It was in Uruguay. So we flew to Argentina and bounced over to Uruguay. But it was cool, man. I was a fucking kid. I was like 19. Again, first international travel ever. Dude, Jeez. Argentina. I was like, what the yeah. fuck? Bro, it was awesome. What a crazy, trip. Man. What a trip. Meet, bro. You never eaten meat like I have in Argentina, oh, bro. Really? And Uruguay, fucking brutal. So good. We ended up in, anyway in this first fucking game, bro. Yeah. I was running back to the ruck, and this fucking dude stuck his leg out and tripped me, and I landed right on my leg, and I just fucking shit off my ACL. Done. That was it. Fucked. And you know, I was in first year studying. Didn't have health insurance. Didn't have a lot of money. Yeah. So I held up with a fucking knee guard for the for the rest of the two weeks on the tour, just fucking drinking beers and fucking partying with the boys. <sighs> Went back to South Africa and just left it. Didn't, didn't do anything about it. And it was because I didn't have the insight, man. I was like, what do you, I didn't even see, I didn't see a doctor for it, man. Yeah, fuck. Could have been different if they repaired it. Maybe that was all part of it. Bro, yeah. you know what's crazy, man, is like rugby teams carry a full medical entourage. I know. Man. I think of doctors. Now it's insane, bro. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's insane. Physiotherapist on site, like massage yep. therapist on site. Everything, right. man. Everything. And you go for proper tests. Yeah. The whole head injury thing has become a big thing too, which is a good thing. But back in those days, man, you'd fucking ring your bell and you'd wake up, they'd throw water and you'd fucking carry on, you know. Yeah. So, fuck. But you know what I find crazy, man, is these American football players with That's CTE. Mental. It's mental, man. And then there's you, like us as rugby players, well, you oh, man. professional rugby players. That's bad. The, who, yeah. the, they get it worse than you guys. Well, the thing is, and I know it's with a helmet on. Yes, yeah, so with the padding. It's a helmet. false sense of security, man. Mm. Because it's not the padding. So what happens is, when your head comes to a stop with a helmet on, mm. you protect your scalp and you protect the skull, but your brain keeps moving. That's the problem. Mm. The problem is not the outer shell. You can put whatever the fuck you want on your head, yeah. but if you shake it, your brain moves back and forward and it basically hits the front of your skull on the inside and the back of your skull on the back yeah. it's it's the shaken baby baby syndrome same thing you see it all the time where kids get shaken by their parents because they won't sleep and they they fucking shake them so hard yeah. they create a severe concussion and a head injury and they can get brain damage from that it's the same thing it's called a contra coup injury 
you hit a hit a wall, you go forward, you stop, your brain keeps moving, it hits the front of your brain, you whiplash back, it hits the back. So you can wear a fucking the biggest helmet you like. You're still shaking your nut inside your brain in your head, and that's where the injury comes in. But yeah, CTE is a big thing. There's a lot of research coming out of that now, and trying to identify how to mm-hmm. identify it early. Because man, like fucking rugby players that have had like a ten year, you know, like man. Richie McCaw. Yeah, you see him in an interview now. He's man. just like sharp as sharp as fuck. You know, that's weird. How it doesn't affect everybody? It's, mm. It is weird. It is weird. Mm. But man, you, you just got to look at the NFL. Um, and even they talk about, you know, a lot of the guys in the NFL, the suicide and the depression that comes with those CTEs, it's huge, man. It's massive. It's massive. It's it's pretty hectic. I, I don't know if I'd want to go into something. Like, man, the kids are like, oh, they want to do boxing or they want to do this. And I'm oh, like, oh, you know, I'd rather do jits, bro. Get the kids rolling. Man. You're a jits master. Freshly, freshly nah, graded up today, bro. Just, just uh, graded up today. Nah, man, just, just, you know, like uh, today, I just found out how much I don't know. You know, like um, it's like a false sense of security. Like, yes, you've reached this level, but there's so much more to learn, man. Bro, I think that's how and we that, should look at life in yeah, general. You can never know everything. Yeah, ask, exactly. Always ask the questions. Exactly, man. And um, that 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 could lead you one of two ways, eh? Like it could force you to go, ah, fuck, this is too much. I think yeah. I'm going to leave it. Or, you know what? I'm game. Teach me. I want to learn. Bro, I think it's a lifelong learning. Yeah, it is, man. But I think everything should be lifelong learning because we never, we don't know all the answers now. Mm. You know, it's like my paramedic game. Like, it's, there's, there's a lot of what we know, but there's a lot of what we don't know. Yeah. And, you know, I know it works now. A lot has changed. Like we, our practice has changed so much over the last twenty years. Yeah. We do things differently because we continue, continue to ask the questions and continue to do the research and ask. We're doing this. Is it really working? Mm-hmm. Or is there another way to do this? And I think you have to have that same idea with everything. You've got to keep asking. You can't just say we've we've arrived. Yeah, you haven't arrived. No, there's man. We know nothing about the universe, bro. <sighs> Like that's like there's still so much we don't know. We got to keep asking, man. Have you seen that thing on um? I think uh, on social media. I think it's like uh, Instagram where it takes a, f- a f- like it's like a camera, right? And it's it's looking at you where you are right now. Yeah. And then it zooms out. Oh yeah, it zooms right out. It so zooms like out. So it looks all the stars. You. Yeah. And it looks at you, man. your country, and then the country, and then the planet, the oh, planet, the solar system, solar bro, system. We are minute. Yeah. Bro, and that is the best example of perspective, man. You know what I mean? Like, I fuck think everybody needs a bit of a yeah, perspective yeah, adjustment yeah. every now and then because yeah. we are insignificant. Yeah. If you think about it, fuck yeah, man. We're yeah. ants, man. Like, not even ants. Yeah. We're not even that. <laughs> <laughs> but the Jits journey will help you, bro. Yeah. I, listen, man, I, I've wanted to for a long time yeah. get stuck in the Jits and it might just be the time now, bro. I think it's time, man. Like, um, bro, it's, it's helped me with everything, man. Like, be a better dad, be a better part, like, Father, be a better partner to my wife, be a better son, brother. Because, oh, fuck, man, like some people on the outside look at it and go, Oh, you guys are just rolling around choking each other. Oh, man. Yeah, but it's, you know, there's a lot more going on than that, eh? Like yeah. there's position and then like transitioning from that to this and controlling someone, right? Yeah. And then you being on the bottom of that, like adversity. Yeah, adversity. And yeah. that's a, that's 100%. Like you, your first day on the job. If he's a fucking dead, dead this yeah. guy's dead on his porch. You're like, yeah. oh, fucking sweet man, you know, yeah. dude. If you if you try and put one of our paramedics here through, like like if someone was to enter 
into that workforce, right? Like what you're doing right yeah. now. And they saw that on their first day. You tell me what what do you think would happen? Would they stick around or go fuck this amount? Yeah, that's you, yeah. You know again, I mean? it's not for everybody. You gotta, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you um have you moved away from the weights now? Like you're not you you. I still, I just my my thing now is just to train um to stay healthy. Like uh, yeah, my perspective has changed a lot, especially from that comp, getting injured and shit. You know, and then having my family have to wait on me and stuff yes, like that made yes. me think, fuck, man, I don't want to be like this all the... Nah. You know, what am I chasing, man? I'm not yeah. even I'm not even good enough to be the shittiest fucking CrossFit athlete. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> fuck you and me both, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in my mind, I was like, um, you know, like, change the mindset, still do it, um, but um, use it to, to, just to, to suit you. Use it to suit you, yeah. Yeah, use it to suit Because I, I, I'm the same, man, like... CrossFit came, uh, this is fucking legit. I reckon mm. if CrossFit came around or was around yeah. when my rugby career was starting, mm. I might have fucking gone the other way, man. Because I, I I really enjoy CrossFit. I do. Yeah. Like, I reckon if I could have put an effort into it when I was 100% healthy and fit mm. and I could have worked my techniques early and got them stuck ingrained early, yeah. I would have fucking loved it. I, I think I could have done things, man. I would have enjoyed it. You know, like, but now it's more a matter of enjoying the release, enjoying mm. the, the the therapy of it, but also it helps me at work big time. Yeah, having cardio, having good, you know, like getting into the ocean, pulling people out, and then like not not being breathless mm. and trying to like recover myself before I treat the patient. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's the that's the winner for me. Yeah. Um, but also like when I had my knees cleaned out a couple of years back the orthopedic guy I'm like so what should I do to like look after my knees and strengthen my knees and uh, I was blown away he actually said to me squats do squats yeah and I was like really like you've just fucking like vaporized half my fucking cartilage like and you want me to go do squats now he goes do squats see that's crazy eh? it's like, crazy uh, I didn't even yeah. think of it and I didn't do it I didn't follow that until my missus actually started CrossFit before me Cause she's like she was like all game. She wants to try something else, so she started up with Joey. who started, yeah. And uh, I won't drop that name. That don't need the advert. <laughs> uh, but with Joey started, and um, yeah, she was loving it. And she's like, "Why don't you come?" And I'm like, "Nah, my knees, my back, my fucking." She's like, "Just come, man." Bro, I walked in there the first day. I met the Joey man. He's like, "Hey, going, Clint? Fuck, cool." Hooked me straight away, man. Yeah. And it just took off from there because doing the squats, the front squats, the power cleans. It actually mm. fucking my knees haven't felt better. Yeah. Like they they were way worse before. It's almost like counterintuitive to what you yeah. were thinking. I thought, fuck, this will hurt me, but yeah, it actually yeah. was good. It was good for me. Because you think in your mind, like I need my knees to squat, and if they're fucked, yeah, I can't squat. But then the medicine for it is to squat. You know, what right. I mean? to move the fucking totally, yeah, yeah, totally. But it's been a it's been, it's been interesting, and, and you know it's. I think there's also a part of the group training that I missed. Like when when, when I was playing professionally, mm. there's like 29, 30 of us yeah. that train for like, so what do we used to do? Two hours in the morning. We do an afternoon session for an hour, three. You know, we're doing 30, 40, maybe 50 hours a week together. Group training yeah, with the same yeah. dudes. Yeah. Like it's group training. Mm. And then I left that and then I was in the fucking gym doing my own shit, you know, and it's like, I didn't think about it. Yeah. But as soon as I got back into CrossFit and then there's a group, 
I missed this. This is good, man. Yeah. Group training is good. You know, mm. training with killers like fucking Chris and Zach, and yeah, like yeah. you push each other, and you're like, oh yeah, fuck. I'm, you know, I'm never gonna do what those guys are doing. Those dudes are fucking way ahead, you know. Yeah, dude, Chris and the butterfly pull-ups. I'm like, fuck, I'm dreaming yeah. if I think I'm gonna do that. But just that whole community of doing it is awesome. Mm. You know, I enjoy that. Does it make you miss but rugby? It does. It does, man. Like that was that was a good part. Like mm. you know, I met some really good dudes and. Um, who've transitioned out of rugby now and they and, you know they've got their own families and their own businesses and their own jobs and their own careers they're not playing rugby anymore mm. and um but yeah that that brotherhood like a yeah. big group of dudes yeah. that was fucking cool yeah that was always cool like it, it was almost like because i enjoyed high school because i had a good group of mates it was almost like a big just a it sounds bad but it wasn't it wasn't it was like a big party because we'd we trained together we'd have fun and we'd train the whole week. And then we'd get on a plane and we'd fly somewhere and we'd play a fucking huge game. We'd have a great time. We'd win. And we'd yeah. fucking party. Now, I was pretty good when I was professional. I didn't fucking, I didn't drink heaps. I tried to keep healthy. I was, but we'd still have a party, you know? Yeah. It, but it was like that all the time. So it was kind of like your mates are always around all the time and you're having a great time all the time. So when at the end of it, you're like, hmm, you fucking... We're my mates, you know, like <laughs> you miss all your buddies. Yeah, it was like yeah, that. Yeah. So I do, I, I miss rugby. I think, I, do. I think that's why New Zealand has done so well with rugby, right? That, that aspect of it, like being in a team together, yeah. right? If, um, like uh, the All Blacks team is basically Pacific Islanders, right? Totally. Um, that with the culture of being tight knit. And those two marry together really totally well. Totally a community culture. Yeah, it totally yeah. is, man. And that's why we like we're like, oh what you know, we're playing sport in a team and then yeah. you know, they coach that into the them as their kids and then bring them through yeah. the ranks and then I think that's why we're why us as Pacific Islanders are pretty good at it. Right. It's it as like another family kind of thing. It's a family thing, but also mm. it's kinda like I mean, you look at the haka and you look at the whole idea of the haka and mm. what it means and that is that you got a group of dudes that are going to war together mm. and and they like got each other's back because yeah. i think honestly from a rugby perspective and i've always loved the all blacks yeah just because of the way they play and i've liked that style but the one thing that that you can see that they have that nobody else has is that trust yeah. and because there's something about particularly in defense yeah. like when you're in defense and you've got your fucking your land you know there's a guy in front of you. You know the ball's coming. This is your guy. If there's a guy outside you, you know that your guy outside you's got that guy. Yeah. You don't fucking worry about that guy. Mm. This is your guy. Mm. Whereas you see teams that don't trust each other and they're fucking looking because they're not sure if he gets through, then they're going to score. Yeah. They trust. Mm. And then there's the fucking offload. The guy knows. I'm fucking offloading. Someone's yeah. going to be there to take that offload. They just know. Yeah, it's fucking it's levels, fucking, bro. It's cool, man. It's and levels, that's yeah. total trust. And like, I'm mm. offloading. There's a dude that's going to take it. Fuck, there's some good rugby, man. Mm. They're playing, they're coming to, coming to Perth soon. Yeah, yeah. How much has it changed, though, since you were in it, eh? Bro, the game's changed. Mm. The game's changed because you got, you got a tight five that can run as fast as a back line Fuck. and that can run for days, yeah. bro. yeah. You got that front like a hooker that could run just as fast as a fullback. Yeah, Dane Coles, man. Yeah, Fuck. it's fucking crazy. Who's that new beast running for the Hurricanes, man? He's a monster and he's got power. 
He's fast. I don't even know his name. No. He is a killer. He's fast. Like, I'll be honest. I, like, I've lost touch with it because, you know, we don't have Fox and all that yeah. shit. We're too busy to sit down and watch a game, like a full game anyway. And I, I, I really don't like going to crowded, like a big game, like a live yeah. game because, you know, you miss a lot of shit. You do miss it. dicks in the yeah. crowd. I prefer home. Yeah. Do it on the screen at home in the theatre. Mm, you get better, like, yeah. you know, better coverage of it, eh? better angles. And you and can stuff have like pause that. and fucking go inside. And yeah. And get another call. Yeah, you. that's okay. it. Speaking of cold ones, man, do you want to reload, bro? Bro, I'll, I'll have we, we going to open I think we or? should. I yeah. think we should. Hey, man, bro, the honor's yours, sir. Oh, gonna... That's yours, bro. Hey, man, just open it this up, bro. Yours, it's on, it's on your side of the desk, bro. <laughs> so, what have we got, Chad? We got ourselves some Dunedin double cost single malt whiskey, bro. Mm, from the motherland, man. Thank, thank you, sir, man. Bro, like, oh. fucking hell. Crazy, man. Your story, bro. Man, we've all had a journey. You know, mm. you've um, you've you've had a similar journey. You've moved countries. You've immigrated. Yeah. You've, um, you know, what, what can you tell me about immigration, man? Oh. Uh, I don't know. Like, our one is different. I didn't have, like, a fucking rugby career on the line or, you know, like, when we were ready to move, I had kids. Man, that's hectic though. Mm. We only had one. Yeah, well, I had, I had um, my my kids were I think eight and seven at the time. Eight and seven. Mm. Is that opener, bro? I want to use it to score this. Oh, yeah, man, just there. Yeah. Eight and seven at the time, and um, we, we were tossing up with the choice of moving because you know we'd have to rip them out of fucking school and yes. they, they'd lose all their friends and you know. You're gonna have to do that. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing there. What's happening here, man? Try to conquer the cut open there. Yeah, bro. What what was the um what was the move like for you for you guys? Man, man immigration's a big thing, man. It's hardcore, and I don't think people pay it enough attention mm. because look for a guy, and I think you're probably the same as me. You you're you're able to manage being away from family easier than 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 the wife. Mm. Like that was the hardest part for me is yeah. seeing my wife struggle because she misses her family. It's my family, I'm like whatever you know. Like, I, don't, I don't need to see them. I'm okay, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's similar to me, man. And it's a tough thing because they talk about immigration being, you know, there's phases to immigration. There's the two year honeymoon, and from two to seven years, bro. Those five years become you do it, bro. Hey, man, bring me a glass, brother. So, um, whiskey neat. Let's do it. Um, immigration's like, it's hectic, man, because there's a lot of unknown things for people that don't immigrate. They don't, they don't appreciate and they don't understand, you know, the difficulties of the move. You know, there's, there's the financial implications, which you know, that's just as much as oh, I shit. do, bro. Like, cheers, man. Financially. Cheers, bro. Cheers, man. Man, that's what's fucking good, eh? Does man? Why does everything good come out of New Zealand, man? I'm just saying. Just right. saying. There's a lot of damn good that comes out of New Zealand. That's for sure. Mm. That's smooth. Mm. That is smooth. Yeah, the immigration was bro, it was tough. Like for me, I, you know, I got to be honest. We we were caught by Laura Bingle, bro. Like <laughs> seriously. Yeah. Yeah, man. We were sitting on the couch. I'll never forget it. Little dude. He's like three months old. Mrs. is tired, you know, she's been breastfeeding. There's one English channel we're watching in China, and it's the Discovery Channel, you oh, know? Fuck. And uh, otherwise it's dubbed movies on fucking Fox or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, there's this advert for Australia, and it's bro, what, fucking Laura Bingle, bro. She's what year is this? 
Shit, man. So we've been here 15 years now. So yeah. it would have been 16 years ago. What is that? 2000 and fucking, I don't know, four, five? Yeah, right about yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, right about there. Shit. And fucking Laura Bingle's on the beach going, where the bloody hell are you? The missus turns oh. to me and she says, I want to move to Australia. And I'm like, me too. I think I remember seeing that commercial in New Zealand, yeah, bro. Yeah, around she's, then. Fuck, she's, she's a good looking girl. She's mm. in a bikini on the beach and the beach is white and yeah, it's blue. And it's yeah, like, yeah. why wouldn't you want to go to Australia, yeah. man? But it was... It, it, it just journeys fucking happen, bro. Yeah. So yeah. when I went to Saudi, I met some good dudes there, met mm. some paramedics, some South African paramedics. One of them in particular, ex-military special operations dude. We worked together, and we, we were both keen to go to Australia, and we and we were like, let's go to Australia. We tried, we looked at it, fucking, they didn't want us. So what we did together, we mm. thought, you know what, let's fucking let's let's do some shit. We'll study some more. So I did another degree. I did an Australian paramedic degree while I was there in China. So I started studying the local Australian paramedic degree while I was overseas. Fucking smash that shit out while I was there. And then one of the other guys I'd met, he, when I was in China, he emailed me. He's like, fuck, man, Australia got positions open. Perth are taking paramedics. I'm like, fucking what? So I emailed St. John Ambulance here, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, we're recruiting, but we're only holding interviews in South Africa, in Johannesburg. I'm like, well, I'm in Beijing. And they're like, oh, sorry, we can't help you. I said, what if I come to Perth? And they're like, okay, would you come to Perth? I'm like, when do you want me? Like, I'll be there next week. Went to my boss. I said, look, I need some time off. I'm going to Perth. Flew from Beijing to Perth. Landed there. Went into the St. John head offices. Met with the people there. Had an interview. Mm-hmm. It was all good. And they said, oh, would you mind doing a physical test while you're here? I'm like, cool. So your wife was still... She was in China with a little dude. Oh. Did the physical. Yeah. I was here for a week. I still remember, man, I was at Cottesloe. I got a phone call from St. John HR. We'd like to offer you the position. Uh, can you begin in, I don't know, whatever it was, July. July, I said, we'll be here. I phoned the wife. I said, start packing. She's like, woohoo, we're going to fucking Australia. We couldn't, she couldn't wait to get out of China. <laughs> Look, she wanted to get out of China. She said to me, let's move. Let's go anywhere mm. where, these were, her, these were her requirements. Yeah. I want to drive my own car. Yeah. I want to understand the local language. Mm. And when I buy things in the supermarket from the grocery store, I want to be able to read the contents on the label of the groceries. Because, bro, you buy shit there. You don't know what you're buying, man. And they don't follow the normal rules like we do. Yeah, like Like, the regulations and stuff. Well, no, not the regulations. Just simple rules like you go to any Western supermarket. Mm. I'll give you an example. You're going to buy flavored milk. Yeah. The chocolate (laughs) is brown. The spearmint is green. Yeah. And the strawberry is pink, yeah? You know, yeah, that's yeah, just, yeah. but we just follow those rules. Yeah, the yeah. banana's yellow. Yeah. Doesn't work like that in China, bro. You buy the brown bottle and you fucking open it, it's fucking something totally different. Like, uh, and are you buying bleach or are you buying washing powder? Yeah. Are you buying, oh, true. Bro, they don't do nappies in China, bro. Fuck. Their kids have, so the little dude's born, right? Yeah. He's three weeks old. So we, we bought stuff in South Africa when we left, but then we're there. We want to buy him bigger clothes, like baby grows. Mm. <laughs> we go to the store, my wife, the fucking look on her face, bro. We go to this baby store, and she opens up this baby grow to have a look, and there's there's a hole in the bum. There's no back on the yeah. back of the baby grow. So it's like the front, and we're like, this is fucking weird. What's this? She grabs the next one. She grabs the next one. We're like, they don't have holes in the back because they don't have nappies. So the kids oh, wear baby grows. Fuck. There's no hole in the back. Yeah. And I was like, no, this is not right. Bro, we were in Costco the one day. This fucking child's having a shit. This woman's holding her baby so that it's having a crap. Uh, through the back of the baby grow. I oh, shit you not, man. Well, on the floor? Yeah, man. 
And then I was like, like so in, in public, in public, bro. The fuck. Yeah, man. So I asked my mate, one of the Chinese dudes at the work in the, in the comm center, and they're like, I'm like, why don't they use nappies? And she says, no, mothers can just sense when their babies need the toilet. I'm like, really? Are you fucking for real? I'm like, I need to know this ninja stuff, because I don't know when my child's going to take a dump. I'm like, what the fuck? So we ended up buying nappies from Hong Kong. Every time I went to Hong Kong, I'd buy a box of nappies. Oh, and the same goes for formula, because there they don't fucking follow the regulations. The formula... Mm. They put all sorts of shit in it, man. There was so like 28 babies died, bro. They dehydrated. They killed the babies, man. It was terrible. So we never bought formula from China because Fuck. you don't. they just fill it with shit to sell it, uh, which is why there was this yeah. formula war here. I was buying formula here still, and sending it back to China. Still yeah. now, are you? Big time, bro. Yeah, yeah. Because it's good quality stuff here. They yeah. follow regulations. It's fucking crazy, Ooh. man. So yeah, having a baby there was hardcore. That's Ooh. why the missus said, listen, I don't care where we go. Mm. Drive my own car. Speak the local language, and I want to read the ingredients on the fucking shelves. <laughs> Simple. Came to Perth, bro. We ended up in a fucking right on the river at Langley Park. There's a little motel there in the city. Yeah. Dude, it was like paradise, man. We landed in July, so it was winter. But it was. Yeah. we came from China. It was fucking terrible. Sky was blue. Air was fresh. It was fucking amazing. It's been a, it's been a tough journey, but it's been amazing to get here. Yeah, like just yeah. to be here and like we're mm. so grateful i got a good job pays well you know we've got struggles like everybody else does mm. but we live honestly man in one of the most beautiful places on earth yeah, you know? yeah. by new zealand man like if i was going to move anywhere i'd move to new zealand man, man the only thing about that is like i said the wage man you know like yeah. um it's almost like you got to take some good with the bad. You got to, because let's yeah, be real. Like we're living in a fucking amazing place. Yeah. Like, and if if, if the wage and and the, and the and things are tough here, and you've got to pay big bills, and it's expensive to live here, mm. well, you got to pay good money to live in a good place. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I get um, it, man. Like things are expensive here, cool. Yeah. Um, just people that that haven't had that and have been born here. You know that. Do they appreciate it? Yeah. I'd, they say they do. I don't think so because yeah. you and I have come from similar backgrounds, eh? You know, yeah, man. Well, that's the thing. Mm. We we've come from backgrounds where, to me, the biggest challenge now, and I'm sure you're going to face it too, is mm. to get our children to understand and appreciate what they have yeah, here, yeah, yeah. because they're growing up here, mm. and we grew up elsewhere. We grew up tougher. Yeah. Now we're here. The challenge is to get our children to understand a what we did to get here. Mm. How hard it was to get here and how hard it is to be here. But secondly, this fucking shit that you have here didn't just arrive. You know, you Yeah, it, yeah. It's nothing's for free. It's it's paid for somewhere. Yeah, like yeah. do you appreciate that's the hardest thing, man. Getting the kids to understand how good we've got it, because there's a lot of people struggling in this world, man. Mm. Mm. You know, you look at America, you look at man, you look at your look at your hometown, bro, look at Samoa, yeah, how are they struggling there, bro? Yeah, measles there was an outbreak a couple of years ago. Man, man. You yeah. got a friend working in Samoa, yeah. mm. She's studying medicine, so part of the prac she does in Samoa and she did some prac time there. She Jeez. would have been there with that outbreak happened, eh? She was. She yeah. was, man. She dodged it. She dodged the bullet. Fuck man. We're not a third world country, but Jesus Christ, that shit bro, broke scary. out. Killed so many babies. Scary, bro. Yeah. It shouldn't happen, man. Yeah. Not in the 21st century, man. Um, That's what's wrong with the world, bro. Yeah. How can that happen? Greed, man. You know, like, you know, bro, and like it's political back there. Like, you, have you, I don't know, I barely keep in touch with what's happening, like, um, with like, the government and stuff like that back there. But, um, 
there's been a change in government. Like the guy that's been ruling Samoa um, has just been booted out, oh. taken out, taken over by a new um, by a new party, political party. Um, and when he was in, you know, when he was in office, like for yeah. so many, like we, when uh, you heard about the tsunamis that wiped yep. out villages and shit like that, this was a couple of years ago. Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, probably as well. Like countries are pouring in relief money, you know, like let's fix things. This guy, money went disappear, disappeared. Oh, proper corruption. Bro, and like three, four years later, after all of that happened, when all the money was given by countries, like people were still living in like fucking shacks, man. It's terrible, man. Made out of sticks and fucking bed sheets, man. man you that know? should never happen, man. Meanwhile, this guy's living in a fucking castle, yeah. being served upon. You know what I mean? Like that kind of shit is happening there. That's so sad. Well, it's Africa's the same, bro. Corruption, yeah. politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty sad though. But I mean, yeah, that must be really sad. Fuck. But he's been kicked out now, and he's trying to make a big fuss about. Oh, yeah. they didn't follow the process when kicking me out, and you know. Are like, the next dudes gonna put their hand in the jar, or are they yeah, gonna yeah, fucking yeah. look after the people, man? Yeah. Well, that's you know like a it's to be seen kind of thing you know yeah. like it's a lady ladies taking over awesome so awesome you know i've got some confidence in it being a female wicked wicked but um because here's the thing you look at those countries like a lot of those countries like mm. fiji and Samoa. what is their biggest fucking value and their biggest export mm. human beings bro yeah. us man yeah man yeah. exactly the yeah. people are the product yeah. you know you, you just look at that country and you think man Look after the people and yeah. bring the tourism back and, yeah. you know, drive the tourism. Mm. Our kids are keen to go to Samoa. Yeah. Oh, my little oh. boy. Just, we were watching Fast and Furious. The Rock was in Samoa. <laughs> oh, he loved we, it, We bro. were watching Hobbs and, Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, fuck. yeah, yeah. Legendary, bro. Oh, man. I, like, uh, I was talking to my older brother about that. He took his kids to watch it as well. Awesome. And, yeah, like, we had the same thing because, uh, like, we cringed at certain scenes. Of course like, you will. Especially yeah. at the scene where he's, like, talking to his mum. Yeah. He's in, that's not Samoa, man. No. No, it was Hawaii, but yeah, yeah. the concept, I liked yeah, the idea. Like, yeah. And it was just funny, like, um, how they portrayed Samoa, you know, like, um, you know, we've got these mechanical shops and yeah. fucking... Chop shops, yeah, thieves, like, stealing yeah, like, cars and shit, like, come on. We didn't even have a fucking spanner there. <laughs> People don't even know what the fuck a spanner is, man. Oh, bro. It's fucking crazy, oh. yeah. But it's still it's still got a decent tourism industry, doesn't yeah. Samoa? Yeah. yeah, and yeah. of course Fiji does, man. Like mm. Fiji's Fiji's, Fiji's always been the hotspot. Why though? What's the difference? I don't know, man. I think, yeah, I think it's because their culture, or, or Americans found them first. So they gotcha. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Like, yeah. They, they like advertise. Big, yeah, big, big stars like you know Fiji. I think the the palm trees with coconuts and shit like that is yeah. synonymous with holiday. Yeah, you know, when does. people in America yep. like think holiday, oh palm trees. Where do we see palm trees? Oh Fiji. Oh fuck, the people are there. Oh, yeah. Bula, Bula Vanaka, You know that kind of shit. Hawaii, same scenario. Yeah, yeah, Hawaii and Fiji are really popular over there, and then yeah. we're we're just a byproduct of that. Like Samoa, Tonga, yep. Tokelau, you know, other islands like that. Solomon Islands. Solomon Islands. Yeah, Cook Islands. Yeah, the yeah. Cook Islands as well. Not 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 as well known as Fiji and Hawaii. Yeah. Fuck, bro, we get to do a trip, man. Yeah, shit. Go back yeah, and right. see the... How cool would it be to take your boy back and just... Oh, yeah, yeah. Just a man trip. Yeah. Go see the family. I don't know, man. You know, I think about that as well. Like, how yeah. cool would it be to show him, to show him the culture and where we're yeah. from. But then I think about... 
I know him really well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he's grown up out of that culture. <laughs> yeah, like, he'll struggle. Yeah, he'll struggle. Like, I'll take him there and he'll be like, oh, dad, yeah. what, we oh. have to make a fire to cook food. I've got to go home, dad. Yeah. Where's, is there Wi-Fi? <laughs> Bro, like, no shit. My mum, she's from, my mum's from one of the outer islands of Samoa. It's called Manono, like Mangongo is what yeah. we call it. They don't have, um, I think to this day, bro, there's still no toilets, no no yeah. storage. So it's long drop. Yeah. And no... Uh, Proper well, rural old school. Yeah, yeah. It's like outback kind of stuff. Wow. And there's no... I th- I'm pretty sure mum said there's no still no electricity there t- wow, today. So man. they live, live off the grid, bro. Man, there's something good about living off the grid, yeah, though, that idea. Yeah. But yeah. how is it that you go through a cycle in life where you want all the stuff, yeah, and then you get the stuff, yeah. and then you get to the end and you go, I don't want the stuff, I want to be off the grid. Yeah. Fuck, bro. Why? I know, man. Look, we're. I, th- I think we're trying to find ourselves. Is what it is. Yeah. Well, that's what I think it is, right? Do you do you think that we all want the shit because we want to compete with other, with other people because of what they got? By shit, do you mean things? Yeah, like houses and fucking fuck cars yeah. and fucking bro. And like, I've never seen that. More than when I landed here, bro. There's so much competition now. You got to have the fastest, cleanest, shiniest, biggest everything, bro. You've got to have the marble this, yeah, the biggest car and this and bigger that, bigger that, bro. But, but I've, I've, I don't know who I've talked to about this, but when I first landed here, I thought I've told you before. I thought this fucking place was Hollywood, man. Man, there's a lot of money here, bro. Yeah, Ferraris and shit, bro. Yeah, like um, my brother, like he met his wife in Japan. And um, he was teaching there, wasn't he? He was teaching English. Awesome. Bro, he made the trip from New Zealand to Japan. Swish. He was like, I need to get out of here. But my older brother had a lot of pressure put on him when he was like, um, when he was young, because in our culture, the oldest of all the of all the family is like the the chief of the family and he's like carries the family basically, right? And he didn't want any of that. Didn't want the pressure. Nah, so he studied and fucked off. Wow. Good man. Yeah, yeah. Like um fucked off to Japan taught English for a couple of years, met his wife that's from here, and then they moved from there here. Yeah. And it's because of him that I'm here. Um, If he moved somewhere else, I probably would have moved there. That's cool, bro. Because cool. I remember talking to him when he was in Japan, and he was talking to me about going to fucking, I think he was talking about going to like uh, Europe. Yeah. To pursue like teaching English there. But he ended up here, man. He ended up here of all places. You would have ended up in Europe, bro. I know. Bro, I can't see you there. Oh, no, nah, I don't I think I'd be there either, man. Could you imagine? Nah, fuck nah, off. Fuck nah, shit, nah, nah, yeah. fuck off. So, yeah, when he um when he moved here, um, you know, we kept in contact and stuff like that. I came and visited him once. Yeah. 2010 or nine, I think. He got married in Samoa 2008, and that's the last time I've been there. Fucking hell, bro. That's a long time, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then... Yeah, I visited him here once, and then I flew back home, and I, I was telling my wife, I was like, fuck, man, we need to go here. Yeah. But when I first landed, man, like, in New Zealand, right, like, to, to drive a Holden, just a V8 Holden, right? Yeah. You've got to be a baller, like, you've got to be, like, an executive of some, uh, because, like, petrol back there's, like, $2.50 a litre, yeah. man. Yeah, fuck, it's, yeah, it takes a lot to get the fuel down there. Yeah, bro, and then when I landed here, like, you, like, just hearing people, oh, I've, I had a V8 Commodore SS when yeah. I was 16 yeah. what are you talking about I was like what yeah seeing Harleys drive around like Mercedes Benz like BMWs like because my brother used to live in um, Netherlands 
Yeah, man, that's where the money's at. Yeah, and oh, when I landed, I was shit. like, what the fuck? Shit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I thought this place was fucking Hollywood. Yes. And I went back, told my wife, and I had to bring them here, like, on a holiday to show them. Check it out first. Yeah, yeah. Vet the process, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they, she bought in. She was like, fuck it. So we spent, like, I think two, three years saving up to make the trip. Man, that's brutal. Yeah, yeah. And... um pretty much ripped her away from her family which is why we're leaving this week to go back and see them <laughs> bro we haven't been back since like we landed man 2014 bro, our son turned 16 yeah this boxing day coming yeah, up, right? yeah i left south africa two weeks after he was born i've never been back uh, 16 years i promised i'd never go back the day he was born we left i said i'd never go back you got brothers two brothers yeah one's older one's younger are they there so my oldest brother, who's actually my half brother, because Molly, fucking, she was she was on the dodge, man. She oh yeah, promiscuous. She, well, she 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 was married to a dude before. He was a Polish Australian immigrant. How weird is this? He's actually Australian. I didn't even know this. I only learned this later on. Mm. Like she she um she had my brother, yeah. and then he was like, yeah, no, I'll sort your visa out and fucking come to Australia, and never heard from him again. Like. So that fucking failed. So she had, like, my brother. My dad was a cop, and uh, they um, they lived on a chicken farm in South Africa. My grandmother, she's a, she's a fucking, she's a wizard. She, like, ran this very successful chicken farm. Yeah. Chickens are fucking, it's a third world meal, bro. You know, yeah. chickens are, like, yeah. fucking cheap and beautiful. Mm. So she ran a chicken farm. My dad was a cop, and uh, he was in the riot squad. Man, he fucking, he left school at, like, year 10. Straight to the cops. Fucking hell. Dude, he was a cop at like age 18, bro. He was in the riot squad, bro. And he was in the riots. It was bad in the 80s. Like, it was terrible. I can't imagine, man. man. Rocks and fucking bats and surrender. Worse, bro. shot, was bad. It was bad. But he he obviously met her on the farm. There was some shit on the farm, some violence. He met my old lady. Mm. And um, to be fair, I did the maths. I was an accident. I was an accident. They got married suspiciously. I was born not long after. You know what I mean? I did the maths. But he was fucking Afrikaans. He, oh, he couldn't shit. speak fucking English, bro. Like, he was full way. on Afrikaans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got a very Afrikaans surname, but I'm English, as you can hear. Yeah. And But I speak both languages, and I speak Zulu. But Because um, I grew up in Zululand. Like, yeah, I did. So, But like he um, he met my old lady, and um, yeah, and I was born suspiciously. And uh, like it was just, anyway... Afrikaans and English families, it was it was a tough... Where were we going with this? You were talking about Samoa. I'm just trying to remember yeah. where we were going with this. You said your missus... You, um, you were talking about... Fuck, this is why we need a third person, because we're getting pretty fucking... We hard. need a moderator. Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah. need a moderator. <laughs> no, I was talking about I was talking about not going back. Yeah, yeah, chicken farm. We grew up there. The talking about your brothers. Ah, that's right. So my, mm. so my elder brother, mm. it's actually my half-brother, Yeah, but my dad adopted him. Yeah. So... Um, his name changed like he was Jarokovic he was full on Polish name like Yannick Jarokovic was like his dad's name no? yeah. but now he's like Justin van der Vesthuizen. like he's my dad adopted him and and like he became like he was he was like my dad's eldest son yeah and then I was born and then I got a younger brother yeah but like I'm like six foot four and like 125 <laughs> And my eldest brother's like five foot. He doesn't fucking look anything like me. Like he's the odd one out. So my yeah. my, my younger brother's a oh. big big dude as well. Yeah. So my oldest brother's still in South Africa, and um, 
Yeah, like I said, he's a baller. Like, remember I said he's we survived. Yeah, he was yeah. making money, and like he's a fucking dealer, bro. Like money's his thing. Like he loves money, and mm. and I think you know that's his thing. That's cool. But he um he won't leave South Africa because he's doing so well financially. And to essentially, if he had to move to Australia, which he's entitled to do because his dad was Australian, mm. he'd have to divide all his money by ten, bro. Fuck. Because that's well, it's thirteen. I think. Oh yeah. So. A guy who's a money man, he does the numbers. He's like, nah, yeah, fuck this. Like, I'm fuck not that. doing that. I'm starting again and dividing by 13. So he's there. Um, and, um, man, we don't talk. I think I've last time I spoke to him was about four years ago. Fuck. When I was in America, I gave him a call and just fucking thought I'd catch up. My younger brother, he's in England. And he's just, bro, he's just, he's totally opposite to me. He's got no drive. He's got no nothing. He's got no education. He's got no qualification. He's done no studies. He's done nothing, bro, with his life. How I don't old? think he's paid a tax dollar in his life. How old is he? He's 43. Jesus. Yeah, bro. Two hip replacements. Knees done, this, that, whatever, like unhealthy. So I don't, I don't, I haven't spoken to him in shit, bro. It's five, six years. So I don't, I don't mean to do with my, my brothers at all. Fucking hell. Mm. Dude, hold, hold there. I really need to pee. Do you need to go for it? I do too. Yeah? Let's Should we pause this and come back? Do it. You cool with it? I am. All right, man, let's go. <laughs> <laughs>